Pastor Brian Na, who was born in Seoul, Korea, and immigrated to the States when he was nine. He met Christ at a church retreat when he was 13, and his Christian journey started ever since then. Pastor Brian has served at Grace Community Chapel of New Jersey as an intern during his four years of seminary as an associate pastor and as an associate pastor for 10 years before planting Cornerstone Church in Bayside, New York in January 2020. He is a graduate of Drexel University and Westminster Theological Seminary. He is ordained in the Christian Reformed Church denomination. He currently lives in Queens with his family and is blessed with his many beautiful women in his life, starting with his wife, Hannah, and four daughters, Kara, Ami, I hope I'm saying this right, Elise, and Rain. So please join us in welcoming Pastor Brian. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to speak at your church. Uh, I feel uh, an extra, I guess, sense of um, closeness to good news for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, uh, I've gotten to know Pastor Sam uh, uh, in the last few years, uh, ever since, especially ever since he uh, joined the Christian Reformed Church. I am also ordained under CRC, Christian Reformed Church. So I uh, was able to have fellowship with him and get to know him. In fact, uh, our, church, our church plant uh, recently celebrated our one-year anniversary last week, and Pastor Sam was there giving a charge to our first-ever members of our church. So I'm extra thankful for that. And the second reason is, uh, I don't know if you remember, and those of you guys maybe were here uh, for long periods of time. I actually came here to speak, I think 2019, I believe, in the summer time. And who would have thought that we would be here right now after the whole pandemic? Uh, and I was just talking to a couple of the brothers today about you, your journey of you know, moving, moving around, being in Zoom for the last year and a half and, and finding this, this place. And I know many of you guys are joining on Zoom, and, but it's certainly been a, uh, a, a trial and, um, you know, just a, just, just a new, perhaps a new beginning for many of us. Um, and uh, before I begin the message uh, from the book of Jonah, I want to, I guess, introduce myself a little bit. Uh, I have some pictures that I want to show you. Uh, just to kind of get to know who I am, for you to know, get to know who I am. Um, so this picture, the first picture is uh, taken last week at our anniversary service. It's uh, all of our church members, not everybody's there, uh, who remained, just served, and we celebrated, celebrated our one-year anniversary by the grace of God. So we're so uh, happy and grateful for that. And then, I think I have... This was our retreat, first retreat, three weeks ago. So a lot has happened just this month, or last month, rather. And we celebrated our first retreat, and, you know, it was just a great time to come together, to be united, and to renew our vision. And this, these are my daughters. I think uh, one of our brothers introduced me as having a lot of women in my life. These are, I have four girls, 
11, 8, 6, and 3. Um, and I am done. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it's, a, it's a blessing to have a lot of women in my life, but I'm, I think the Lord... No, I'm not going to invoke the name of the Lord. I'm done. Okay? I'm not going to say the Lord uh, called me to be done, but I'm done. Um, and then, do I have any more pictures? I, I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to be honest. I was trying to find the picture of my wife, just me and my wife. I don't have any. You know, it's so bad. I and mean, you guys, those of you who have kids, you know, it's always the kids, right? And, and I, have, I have pictures of my wife with my kids, but it's so hard for me to have any, find any pictures with my wife. I had to kind of repent this morning. Well, I need to take my, my wife out to more dates. All right. Uh, I want to share from the book of Jonah this morning. And I'm sure the, the story of Jonah is very familiar to many of us who grew up in the church, especially in Sunday school. And even as adults, we, we go through the, uh, the story of Jonah often. And right before I planted uh, the church in Queens, New York, called Cornerstone, so in the middle of 2019, I did, a, I did an extensive poll. I asked uh, our church members at Grace Community Chapel where I was sent off, and in even other Christians, I asked many first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word home, the word home, H-O-M-E. And the most common replies that I've heard were things like comfort, rest, authenticity and and the one word that really jumped out at me is this word belong or belonging and i thought about that word belong and i asked many of our newcomers or many i asked the, the people that have came, uh, came with me rather uh, from new jersey to plant the church all 12 of us this question do you do you feel belong? After about a year and a half, do you feel belong here at Queens, New York? And many people were honest and said, no, I feel out of place. I feel like a foreigner. I feel out of place and uncomfortable. And that's, that's the response that I usually get when I ask people, especially those that are not from Queens or not from New York. In 2 Corinthians 5, Apostle Paul equates our earthly home that we live in, uh, in our physical body, as a tent, right, as a tent. If you've ever been camping before, you know that when you put up a tent, it's only for a night or two to sleep, and you would go back to your home to your warm bed. So a tent insinuates something that is temporary not permanent and i thought about this word be belong and i broke it down into two parts be or being or long or longing so i'm not a philosopher i'm not trying to be philosophical here but being is existence or if you want to if something that exists right and the second word is long or longing or longing is this yearning desire for something that you do not have or do not yet have. So if you put these two words together, 
A home is a place or a state of being where you're ultimately looking towards. Right? You do not have it yet. And just to, to be more specific, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, he's talking about a physical body that we live in right now on earth, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. So if you are feeling not at home as a Christian in this life, it's natural. Because we long for a heavenly home, a future permanent home. And as we look at the story of Jonah this morning, here he is, a prophet who was chosen by God and yet utterly out of his comfort zone. He doesn't feel like he's at home. Rather than being in the presence of God, he tries to run far away as possible. You see, God is trying to be real with Jonah, but he couldn't handle this. And we are quickly finding out, as I'm finding out in Queens, beginning my journey here at Queens uh, as a church plant, a home, a true home, is not a particular location. Or is it a familiarity? Nor is it belonging to a particular group of people that look like you. But, let, but I, in my definition, I thought about it this way. A true home is not belonging to a set of people, people group, or a location, but a longing that can only be filled by God himself. That's true. So I have three quick points that I want to share with you this morning from this passage. Number one, true home is where God calls people to his presence. He calls people to his presence. I call this the initiation of God. So every, every, every point starts with an I. So the first point is initiation of God. God is never passive but he always initiates in us. Amen? Always initiates in us. You see, Good News Church, we all long for a home. We all long for a security and comfort. Look at New York City. Because of what happened, everybody moved to New Jersey, suburbs of New Jersey. Housing market is through the roof. People can't buy houses anymore. Expensive. You guys know the drill. But we always, we will always choose the practical and the reasonableness over the miraculous and the impossibility. You see, when God, when God calls Jonah to Nineveh, Nineveh was only 500 miles from where he was. But yet he goes to Tarshish, which is 1,500 miles or so the other way. In other words... Jonah, when he was called, it was actually closer for him to go to Nineveh, but yet he runs away to the opposite direction, even further away. In my previous, previous ministry, I, I lived seven minutes away from church. And when I church planted, uh, that distance uh, became two and a half hours. 
It was two and a half hours from uh, South Jersey, near Central Jersey, all the way up to Queens, New York. And I thought, my wife and I, every time we were driving up to Queens from Central Jersey to go to church or to go to cell group or prayer meeting, we look at ourselves and, and, we, 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 go, and we say, what are we doing? <laughs> what, are, why are we, what are we doing this for? Why are we doing this? You see, when you, when you are in the presence of God, the practical, the practicality goes out the window. Right? We look at what God is doing in our lives and that we look at as our standard. Let's look at the verses here. In, it's interesting what God is doing. In verse 2, the Lord, the, Lord, uh, the Lord tells Jonah, Arise, go, and call out against the city of Nineveh. Right? And also, but on, on, also in verse 5, the, the mariners each cry out to their own gods. And even the captain tells Jonah, go, call out to your God. It's certainly interesting to see that in this passage, when God initiates, it is not God's people that responds, but in this case, it is the non-believers the mariners and the captain that responds and reminds Jonah of God's word. Do you, did you ever have that uh, happen to you? When a non-believer or even your coworker or somebody that is close to you that you know they're not a Christian, but they, they're the one that challenges you to believe in God more? This is what's happening here. Our sin nature is ever-present in all of us, whether you acknowledge it or not. And we see it in our children. I know we just sent the children back to the children's ministry. Usually the first words, I four, the first words out of our children's mouth are not, thank you, daddy, or love you, mommy. When they first wake up, right, early in the morning, they're, they're conditioned to wake up. Our kids wake up around 6 o'clock in the morning, whether it's weekends or weekday. And, and my firstborn, when she wakes up, it's not, what can I do for you, Amma and Appa? Can I, share, can, I, can I take care of, you know, my siblings for you so you can get, get that extra hour of sleep? No. It's like, where's my breakfast? I don't like the clothes that I'm wearing for church. I don't like the, I don't like the clothes that you bought from Target yesterday. I was like, oh, I want to throw just something at them. You see, but yet we try to grab onto the temporary, right? Rather than going to Nineveh, Jonah runs to Tarshish. Rather than re receiving the gracious word of God, he, he, he goes to Joppa in verse 3, and he pays the fare. He makes an, he makes a, a interaction before getting onto the boat to go to Tarshish. Rather than living from God's daily provision, he took the matters into his own hands and get on that boat, got on that boat. This is us. This is what we do in a daily basis. You know, right before uh, I planted the church in Queens, I was at a, a bank near my house in Central Jersey, a Chase Bank, to open up an account for our church. 
And if you're a church planter, you have to basically do everything, right? You can't rely on people. Well, you, 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 can, you have need to delegate, but at the end of the day, you need to be hands-on uh, with everything. And I met this guy in Chase Bank. He was in his early to mid-20s working there. I still remember his name. His name, name was Tariq. And he asked me what I did for a living. And obviously, I'm opening up a church bank account, so I'm not going to lie. So I said, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm about to plant a church in Queens. And that just opened up a whole can of worms. <laughs> what I thought was going to be a 30-minute like, pit stop and, and out turned out to be a three-hour uh, conversation. I don't know if he didn't have to take any customers or anything. He was just really uh, interested in, what I, in my line of work. We talked about everything from the Trinity <laughs> to uh, what is my definition of true love. It was just crazy. And it was like God was giving me a foretaste of what it would be like to be in Queens, to interact with people. And, and talk about God, and I, tru- I absolutely loved it. But when we put ourselves in the basement, just like Jonah did, sleepwalking through life, we don't get to experience what we were created to be, to reflect His image. And that's exactly what Jonah did. When God called Jonah, Jonah, you're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to be going out there and share the good news. You're going you're gonna to ask... Tell the people of Nineveh to repent, but rather he went down to the basement of the ship and said, don't bother me, God. Let me just do my own thing and live my own life. Goodness, church, God is calling every one of you to something. Jonah was called to be a prophet, to speak, or in this case, to speak out against the wicked people in Nineveh. Eighteen of us And our Cornerstone core team have been called to uproot ourselves from where a local church we called home for 14 years, many of us, because we believe that his presence is clearly in Queens. But it was never a passive approach or process for each one of us. The initiation process was painful. It was tedious but we knew that we were going in the right direction because the presence of God was so evident in our lives. Amen? And I want to encourage you. I know many churches right now, as a result of the pandemic, are scrambling, are hurting, are confused. Our church is no different. But I want to encourage you, God is initiating this process for a reason. Amen? The second point, the true home is when God cares enough about you and me as sinners to send a word of hope, love, and grace. And I call this the incitement of God. The first is the initiation, but the second is the incitement of God. You see, God uses many means of grace to bring us back home, bring us back to his presence. Here, In verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Right? But what you know what's interesting? In verse 4 and and verse verse 1, 
it says it starts out with the but now the Lord and then verse three, but Jonah he rebels and then verse four, but the Lord and verse five, so the captain and verse five, but Jonah, in other words, God uses these group of people and the means of grace to bring bring Jonah back over and over and over again. He pulls you and me back to his presence when we are going further and further away from him. What are some means God uses to bring us home, bring uh, Jonah home? Number one, we see in uh, verse one, in chapter three, verse one, God uses his word to bring us back home. Number two, God uses the storm, the storms of our lives in verse four to bring us back home. In number three, God uses the brokenness, the ship. The ship was the brokenness of our lives. It's, it's, it's insinuating the brokenness of you and me to bring us back home. God even uses the non-believers in verse five and six, the captain and the mariners to bring us back home. God uses even our depression, the sadness and the tragedies that Jonah experienced to bring us back home. And then God also uses the relief, the unloading of the cargo into the, into the ocean to bring us back home. Church, God always invites us back. And he wants us to be healed of our hurt. And he desires for us to find our true home, true joy and purpose. You know, what's interesting about this word in, in Hebrew the verb God sent the storm, the word sent elsewhere is used of hurling an object such as a spear. God intentionally threw. Because when you and I, when you hear things like a storm, storms happen all the time. There are storms all the time in the sea. But this storm, this storm had a special purpose. It was sent by God to bring Jonah back. And when we feel isolated, helpless, we think that God has left us out to dry, God has left our church out to dry, but just like the case with Jonah, the eyes of the Lord were continually upon him. And the eyes of the Lord will continually be upon you. Amen? And one other thing that I want to just emphasize here is that we must go from the conscience or having that thought to, from conscience to compassion. Right? Jonah, he had the conscience. He knew what he needed to do to call out, go to Nineveh and to call out and have them repent. But it never translated into compassion. In James chapter 2, verse 15, Verse 17 says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. What James is saying is, it's not just good enough to have a conscience of doing good, but it must translate into compassion in action. The captain and the mariners in this story needed and wanted answers. 
And Jonah was the only person that could provide that for them. In verse 8, then they said to them, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? Where, what is your country? And of what people are you? Imagine amongst your friends, your co-workers and your neighbors and your family members who aren't believers. They're asking you these questions. Hard, light questions. What will you do? Will you just shrug it off and go down to, your, to the basement of your life and pretend like nothing is happening outside? Or will you come up to the deck and face these tough yet necessary questions to provide the answers to the Lord's will? You know, oftentimes we look for a vision. You know, when, we, when I planted the church, I looked for a vision. I said, God, you need to show me something. Give me a vision. Give me a vision. Give me a vision. But after about a year and a half of doing the church plant, what I realized is more than vision, God places a great love, his love, to act upon that love to other people. C.S. Lewis, he said it more eloquently. He says, don't waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. You see, church, you may think now you're just you're only a small church. It's it's been a bit, there were a lot of impact, a lot of a lot of hurt that has been happening, happened, a lot of happened for the last couple of years. But if we want to do something great, yes, we pray and we look for vision, but I don't think we become successful or do something great for God because we have a great vision, but rather because we have this great love for something. It's love that triggers something great in us. Now, one pastor that I admire puts it this way, when God's love is overflowing within you, it moves from the mind to the heart. It moves from knowing to beholding. And the last point that I want to share with you this morning is that true home is when we submit to God's commands. In all things. And I call this the involvement of God. The involvement of God. You know, unlike the deist theology, he doesn't, God doesn't just set things in motion and becomes detached from everything. The Bible says that not even one sparrow will fall to the ground apart from our Heavenly Father. Amen? He's involved with every every nook and cranny of our lives and even the hairs of our head are all numbered and he goes on to say fear not therefore you are more valuable than many sparrows in matthew chapter 10 verse 29 
The plans of a sovereign God are not so easily thwarted by the stubborn, the stubborn will of a puny prophet here in Jonah. God is still in control. God is still powerful. He is awesome. And Jonah was to learn that it was not so easy to resign to the Lord's commission. What you and I must realize, first and foremost, church, before God can use us, is that he doesn't need us, right? Many times I feel that we, we get in the way of his plans rather than promoting it. Yet he still chooses to involve us to carry out his plans. Now, in my previous ministry when I, where I served for 14 years, I've seen many different, uh, many different things and I want to share a story about a sister uh, at that church, at that ministry. And she was a pharmacist, and she was so devoted to church, coming to early morning prayer, even she decided to enroll in seminary to become a pastor. And I was so excited, you know, her and I, she and I, we were, uh, we spent a lot of time together praying, you know, corporately. And, and I was guiding her and mentoring her in many different ways. And, be, and one, one time, her parents, um, her, her parents' business went bankrupt. So she had to shift and take a job at a hospital, night shift, where she was an international student, so they were willing to sponsor her green card. So she, she was forced to take this job. So she would work nights and couldn't make it out to any of the prayer meetings anymore, any cell groups, or, or even Sunday worship. Because she would, she would have to work overnight shift Saturday, and she would you know, go to sleep and oversleep. And, and I knew that she was struggling spiritually. So I met up with her and to encourage her because I knew her situation. I didn't want, I, I wasn't uh, I, didn't meet, I didn't want to meet up with her to yell at her or discourage her, but I wanted to just really uh, encourage her. But I also knew that she was backsliding because she was telling her friends about what she, she would be doing on her off nights, going out drinking, right? just blowing off steam, turning to alcohol, and justifying to herself, you know, I deserve this. I'm doing this for God. And I'm working at a hospital, I'm getting my green card, I'm caring for my parents, I'm doing this for God. I deserve to go out and I deserve not to go to church, I deserve not to do this and that. And long story short, not only did she leave the church bitter, but last time I checked, she doesn't even go to church anymore. Brothers and sisters, is God using someone in your life to nag you to keep coming to this church? Don't think of it as a nag, but see it as God using the other person or maybe God using you to nag somebody else to incite them back to the Lord. You need to know that God is speaking to you through this person, through this situation as a, as a means of God's grace. He's holding on to you. He's reminding you that he's not done with you yet. 
So where is your true home? I thought my true home was in New Jersey before I planted Queens, New York. And now that I'm in Queens, New York, I don't feel at home. I still feel like a, a foreigner or a missionary, but I have to keep reminding myself that God, when he initiates and when he incites other people and he involves other people and he involves his word of God to speak to my life, that's where my true home is. Many of you perhaps don't feel, feel like this is your true home. This church is not your true home. But I plead with you, rather than your feelings dictating, see how God is initiating, how God is inciting other people, maybe perhaps you, and God is involving different things in your life to speak to, unto you, speak to you. So to summarize, just to end, let me just encourage you to say the true home is when you say yes to God's calling, even if it doesn't make any sense in a worldly sense. And when you say yes to God's caring for others and community around you. And last but not least, when you say yes to submit to his commands. And Jonah put this on himself, and he realized that he was the solution for the mess that he himself calls for the destruction, possible destruction of the people in the ship. You see, church, Jesus, who neither sinned nor was responsible for the mess that we all created, you see, he sacrificed himself to make all chaos a mess translate into peace, hope, and salvation of the world. And my prayer for you Good news, church. Whether you're in Manhattan, whether you're in Queens, whether you're in New Jersey, wherever you are, my prayer is that you will be sensitive to what God is calling you to do. Amen? And, and I just want to share from a, from personally from my heart, I really feel connected to this church. Once again, I, I began the message by saying, I know Pastor Sam and I came here to speak, but you guys, I, you know, I, I, do, I truly believe that being in the city kind of unites people together, right? It's like in college when you suffer, like you get closer. Like suffering really brings people together. So my prayer is that when you are going through suffering or difficulties in your church, in your lives, uh, don't hesitate uh, you know, to know that we are praying for you and that we are in this together to spread the gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for the storms in our lives. I know it's very hard and difficult for us to admit that. When we're in it, we want to escape it. We want to run the other way as far as possible. What Jonah did is not far away from what we do in our daily lives. God, we want to run away from the troubles at home when there are chaos with our children, with our marriage. We want to run away from our work when 
when our bosses and our coworkers give us a hard time. We want to run away from this pandemic and, and truly not put the effort into building the church that you have called us to be in. But Lord, our prayer, my prayer for Good News Church, for all of us as believers, that rather than running away from you, that we may run to you. Will you continue to be with us as we go throughout the worship? May this city and may this, may this church be a salt and light of the world so that you will be honored and glorified. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.